At last month's international conference, we had a lot of industry experts come on stage for a couple of events. So this month, we're going to share our industry panel. We talked to Stephanie Rajbaum, Brandon Algren, Trey Calloway, and Rob Pedersen about the future of rental, employee empowerment, customer enablement, and constantly improving as people and businesses. I thought their content was too good to limit it to the conference, so I want to share it with all of you. Enjoy. Welcome to The Front Porch with Brian Beaudry. Hey everyone, welcome to uh, this year's industry panel. With, with me on stage, we have Brandon Algren. He's the owner of Elite Events and Rentals. Uh, he's, he's in the Tampa area, and he's so much of a Gators fan that he actually has like an alligator in a pond right outside of his, uh, outside of his operations here. Next, we got Rob That's where Pedersen. the bad employees go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's much easier than dealing with HR. Uh, we got Rob Pedersen. He is the vice president of A Toolshed in Central California, and he's probably the only one on stage who's thrown up on a lion. Uh, can we verify no one else has thrown up on a lion? All right, good. I haven't either. So next up, I, we'll, we'll ask you to tell the story after we introduce everyone. All right, uh, Trey Calloway, he's, he's the director of tech ops at Site Pro Rentals. He's a huge fan of the Cowboys and Rangers. So uh, congrats to the Rangers on making the- A lot of letdown. Let's go Rays. And, and over here we have Stephanie Rajbaum. I, I was gonna say it right, and then I got scared again. Uh, she's the VP of operations for Durandy Rentals. We're gonna call it New York City uh, instead of New Rochelle. Although I guess New Rochelle is the correct answer. And she was once chased by a bear while horse riding. So I don't know if it's more exciting or less exciting than throwing up on a lion, but let's uh, hear your stories. Let's, let's start with you, Rob. I want to hear about how, how did you end up throwing up on a lion? We were, um, we were in Kenya and we were doing a little uh, safari deal with my grandparents. It was pretty awesome. Um, and it was our first couple days in there and usually when you get to Africa, you come down with something, some sort of stomach bug, just even if you don't drink the water, even if you eat carefully, it's just going to happen. So that happened, and uh, there was a night safari, and I didn't want to miss that. It was kind of a highlight of the trip. So we went out there, and we parked out on a little peninsula, and all of a sudden, this pride of lions starts kind of coming up, but they start coming up all around the vehicle. And uh, so the driver freaking out. He's like, eh, you know, everybody, get him, we got to go. And uh, so we run in. And I'm on the back and, and he starts driving, there's no road and it's bouncing and I'm like, this is pretty uncomfortable. And there's like three lionesses that are running behind us. And they're thinking this is kind of fun now. And I'm sitting there bouncing and I'm like, oh, this, this could be interesting. And one gets really close and right around that same time, I just let it go. And uh, yeah, Frozen hadn't come out yet so I couldn't sing the song either. But, uh, oh. so, yeah. I was gonna say that's your evasive maneuvers as you just like throw it. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. yeah. Okay, Stephanie, uh, tell us about a bear chasing you. First time horseback riding, I was in Wyoming. I was probably 15 years old, and I was terrified. But they're like, no worries, it's like really easy. You can just, like, they're a very nice horse. They're used to doing this trail. It's going to be super chill, don't worry. About a third into it, like, my horse starts getting absolutely crazy, going, like, extremely fast. I start screaming like a crazy person. Uh, someone, like one of the guides finally managed to like stop me, God knows how, and came to realize that the reason why the horse freaked out is because there was a bear. Did you throw up on the horse? 
or the bear. Neither. I'm not 100% sure how that happened, though. But yes, I could have. <laughs> had nightmares for many nights after that. It would have worked. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a rental panel, so let's get to some real questions, I guess. Uh, we'll start off with the most basic of questions, and I'm going to ask you, Brandon, since you're right here. Uh, what are you noticing in the industry from your perspective? You are the event representative up here. Um, yeah, can you just tell me about maybe one challenge and one highlight for you over the past year or so? I think um, I probably speak for everybody in event or not. You know, of course, there's lots of challenges running your own business. Um, and I hate to always say this one, but of course, labor is our biggest challenge. Um, but in reverse, I could say coming uh, where we are today, you know, we do, we can do exactly what we did five years ago with less people now. And part of that's investing in good equipment um, to make our staff's jobs easier. So investing in good equipment can definitely get you over that hump of the short labor market that's out there. Okay. Have you considered maybe not having an alligator right outside your place? Maybe that no, would we, we like to keep him around. We like okay. to keep him around. Everybody that's not from Florida is scared of alligators and they're everywhere. Okay. <laughs> Rob, what's, uh, what's a challenge and a uh, highlight over the past year for you? Uh, I'd say the past years, I mean, obviously we've had COVID came on and then that uh, resulted in uh, labor shortages shortly thereafter, um, which then spurred labor costs to skyrocket, uh, especially in certain areas. We're in California, so our labor costs are extremely high and continuing to go higher, um, which has also driven inflation, so we're part of inflation. So we've seen uh, the cost of everything go up, and there has been increased demand. Um, I don't know if our rental rates have kept pace with the costs yet, so we've seen a, a shrinking in margin, and that's just something we have to uh, continue to manage and, and uh, justify. So, yeah. That's been a challenge. But um, finding labor is getting easier, so that's good, but they still want more money. So. Weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Trey, what are you seeing? Um, I, we're fairly new in the last two years, excuse me. Um, we're fairly new in the last two years, so I think one of our biggest challenges is to get our operators to adopt uh, the new technology um, all the way around, whether it be dispatch or the mobile platform that we're working through. Uh, there's a mentality to do it the way that they've always known how to do it rather than actually use what we've given in those tools. And so this has been one of the things that we've really been challenged with over the last two years. And uh, I feel like we're making some successes somewhere in there at this point. We're getting adoption slowly but surely, but we really want all those data points. So that's a big thing for us, so. All right, Stephanie. A challenge over the past couple of years has been availability of equipments and costs, like the surcharges, the last minute, oh, you can have it next week, but it's 10% more than you were expecting. I feel like now we're almost getting to the opposite of this, where we're getting a lot of equipment just dropped in our yard, it's not really specifically expecting it until next year. Um, so that has been interesting. Obviously, labor, I mean, I think everybody, is, it's, hot, it's tough to find people, and we're just doing what we can to find the right people for the job. So what do you do with surprise equipment? Because I know you're in the New York City area and I don't think there's a whole bunch of space there to just like put a bunch of extra stuff. We put it on rent. <laughs> All right, there you go. <laughs> that would be the ideal solution. Let's put it that way. Perfect. 
All right, and, and Trey, you said one of your challenges was getting people to actually use the technology. And Brandon, you said like the technology has helped you uh, become more efficient. Uh, do you have any secrets to getting people to adopt? Hiring people that are really smarter than you. <laughs> All right, there we go. Let's see. A thing that I've been reading about a lot, and we talk about a fair amount of Pointer Rental, is building a company culture. So let's talk a bit about that. How would you describe your company's culture? Let's start with Rob this time. Um, so our, our company motto is creating an exceptional customer experience. And uh, something, you know, my focus areas are my community, uh, customer, and the crew um, that I present as a, as a VP. Um, so with that, you know, a big part is just honesty. So making sure that people are honest when they're interacting with our customers. If we screw up, you know, being honest about it, uh, working through it, letting them know that we're trying to fix the problem if there is one, and ideally never getting there in the first place. So if you're honest with yourself and you're honest with your employees and your employer, then you can fix those situations. Um, and I think that that plays out uh, in the long run. You know, it's hard to get them get everyone to adopt it at first when you're trying to be open kimonos, as, uh, as it's been said, and over time, though, you'll, you'll find that, that that works out, or we find that that works out really well. Um, hard part about culture is just if you need to change it or if it's been ingrained for a long period, it takes a long time and very dedicated effort to make that happen. So. Okay. Trey? I'd say. Or Stephanie. Go, no, we don't have to go in just that direction. It sounded very, like, linear. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, when I started at Journey Reynolds a couple years ago, um, had a lot of effort into getting to know everybody. I think like being part of the culture, listening to what people really wanted to do, really like just a lot of listening and then promoting from within. Done a lot of that when possible. Um, and some recognition program, like peer recognition program, like trying to not be specifically corporate or too like formal, but we literally put a like a poster at every branch with a QR code where they could recognize someone who did something good. And it's like just a Google form, like it's free stuff. And that was really well appreciated by everybody, like just peer recognition. Trey, Brandon, you got anything? Yeah, we've been working real hard to create a culture and on a brand new company. Um, but whatever we do, uh, we do well. That's one of the big things that we talk about on a regular basis. And then the other piece really is about Whatever we do, we want to make sure we're taking care of the customer, the company, and the people that work here. We treat everyone that works for us as a customer. We treat all of our vendors like customers. And in turn, we hope everyone treats us like a customer. And we want to be treated as well as we treat someone else. So it's really one of the big things we've been working on as our, our culture has been growing and building. So I would um, tell you, honestly, we could do better. And we know that. And it's sometimes in the party industry we find ourselves and maybe in the tool industry where you know you have the front the front staff that have their own culture and they all the sales team and the managers, they all do their thing and then in the back they're all loading, unloading, going out on job sites. So sometimes they don't even cross paths and those people require different types of appreciation and respect. And sometimes it's forgotten. And uh, this actually just came up us recently and it's something we want to work harder on and uh, we know it's important um, we we respect everybody we try to do little things for them um, but it's not enough so something we're actually working on as a team okay now one of the things you guys all mentioned in an earlier question was finding the right people 
what, what are you guys doing when you're hiring to make sure you're finding the people that, that match your company culture or the cu culture that you want to have? I think it depends on what position you're filling. So, you know, if we're, we're always listing jobs on Indeed or through the ARA uh, job board. Um, and then, you know, if you're looking for that special person, you hope maybe referrals or, you know, if you're looking for a manager or something like that, you know, you try to go a little deeper and maybe someone you have a relationship with, someone you can talk to that works for a different industry that may be good for you. Um, but that's kind of what we do. Yeah, I'd say sometimes we also have to be careful about the person that's going to fit in the culture and be open to diversity of thoughts and backgrounds and it's not because someone doesn't have rental experience that they can't do well. I was going to say you bring that up and, and there is always this, this debate of like finding someone that fits your culture versus embracing those diverse viewpoints and maybe expanding the, the culture a little bit. Um, do you guys have any ways that you navigate those or is it just kind of by feel or? I mean, we don't have we don't have a formal like culture training or a formal like this is how to treat people the right way, um, but but I do have with my management team a lot of conversations around like not everybody appreciates the same work environment and to be conscious of conscious of that. Okay. All right. So between you guys and me, uh, we all know you're awesome at everything. But what's the thing that you find most challenging about managing your, your company's culture? I want to start with you, Trey. Communication. I think that uh, making sure that we're transparent. You said transparency earlier. I believe it's one of the biggest things that we want to do with all the people that work with us. Um, and really building that culture that's around not just working for us, but working with us to build a better company all the way around. Um, but I, I, really, I really think communication is the biggest piece to that. We all have to speak the same way. We have to talk about the same things. And you brought up a great point about not just hiring people that are inside the rental industry, but outside as well to bring in that new perspective. Um, and I think we all communicate that type of language better by all of us seeing everything at one time. So that transparency is needed all the way through. So. Anyone got anything to add? I think, I mean, if it's a good culture, it'll stick anyway. But if you have to change something or make an adjustment, then you're going to need to, you have to live it. So you have to have it 100% of the time from leadership on down. And with that, then you're going to have to have accountability being held with everyone. So if something isn't uh, you know, in line with the culture, you have to correct it there on the spot. And that can be uncomfortable sometimes. And so it creates a little bit of a conflict side. So um, you know, that, that's probably where the most difficult side comes with maintaining and holding the line. Okay. As an owner, you have to know it starts from the top, right, and works its way down. So you have to be able to take responsibility when you know, you know, if there's not a good culture, it's your fault and accept that and work with your staff to get to that good culture. The next thing is, and I think part of our problem is we're afraid because we know we probably got to get rid of, get rid of a few people that have been key to our business. And sometimes that's hard to do when it's hard to, when you don't have experienced team members. Yeah. So I'd say bad news travels fast, like very fast. And one example I have for this, like we, we purchased a company in May and part of the welcome letter, and again, this was our first acquisition since new management had come in. And so part of the welcome letter, we had said like, don't worry, nothing is gonna change in the first six months, like it's gonna be all fine. And well, 
the majority of the people took it as you're going to make big changes and you're going to fire everybody in six months. And so um, bad communication from us, to your point. Um, and how to address this is a lot of communication. It's like I, I have 5 a.m. meetings with drivers every other month. I have like, uh, in that specific case, we did like a all hands on deck employee, like teams call and go to locations every other week, like just making sure that like we're present and all delivering the same message from the CEO down to the, like in this case of the acquisition, like our HR person is coming there every like pretty often. I'm going there and just communication, but between gossip and bad news, like this travels really, really fast. Anyone else got experience with gossip? Uh, okay, let's, let's do an unrelated question. Uh, what products do you guys see gaining in popularity among renters over the next year or so? Or could be a, a genre, uh, a suite of products. Electric. Electric and a lot of hybrid. Um, thank you, Renee, for that. Um, but um, yeah, we're seeing a lot more movement towards the electric side of things um, and the hybrid uh, use of fuels. So we're really trying to you know, purchase that type of equipment and move to that. and then seeing all sorts of crazy stuff when it comes to the robotic side that, um, I don't know, we're starting to weigh our minds out with that and seeing how we can actually utilize that piece. We've taken on a, a few pieces of equipment that um, was very surprising to me, but it's actually, uh, it's almost printing money somewhat, and so that's very good uh, when it comes to the robotic side. So, uh, but yeah, I definitely say the electric side and the hybrid stuff is what I see uh, being very prevalent over the next couple of years. So. Did, did you just tell us that you have a money printing machine? I was like, could you, could you give us some more detail? I may get in the equipment I business. <laughs> I can't give out our secrets on that piece, but yes, yes, we have a money printing machine. Perfect. Stephanie, you seemed like you were going to say something. More efficient use of even like power engines, probably in, at one point or another. Like, this isn't an industry that's super ahead of its time in terms of like electric and ESG and other things, but it will come. I don't know that it's going to come in the next year though. Okay. Brandon, you probably don't have as much uh, equipment related. We have stuff. trends. Okay. Yeah, we have trends. It's going to be cool in 2024. Well, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would just say in our industry, one of the biggest things for us is as uh, our fire marshals and tent permitting gets harder and harder. Um, we have to stay on top of that, making sure we're educating, you know, the fire marshal and, and the city of, you know, what the standards are that come from some of the national organizations that you can be a part of. But um, we, we look more, we're, we're leaning more towards with tenting going structure or uh, that's more engineered and then getting rid of the West Coast two inch framing. We're not there yet, but that's the direction we have to go at some point. Okay. I mean, just why, why, why structured? I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, you know, structure is uh, engineered, okay, that's okay. the first thing. Uh, it's, it's heavier duty framing, it, it looks nicer, but um, it's just a different, it just, it's more about the engineering and knowing that if the fire marshal wants engineered documents, yes, you can get engineering on two inch aluminum, but you know what that is, so. Okay. Uh, all right, one, one of the things we're talking about here at, at the conference is customer experience. So what are some of the things that you're doing as a company to show your customers that you care about them? Rob, you didn't answer the last one, so you can yeah, no, we, uh Well, we always tell them, so you know, when you they them come in, you, you tell them, them. Yeah, we appreciate you. you know, and and okay. uh, we always take the time to talk, you know, even, even if it is uh, 
it does slow things down a bit, but uh, I think that's one thing that a lot of our customers really enjoy about coming to a toolshed is, is they'll come in there and they develop a rapport, they develop a relationship. Usually they see the same counter guy and they'll share a story and there's a, some of that personal interaction. Um, and then I think we're always willing to, to try our best to, to make something right if we can. So with that honesty side uh, and, and nobody gets pushed to the side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, your shirt says, I have time to talk. It does. It's a sporty shirt. Um, we, a couple things. One, I was thinking about what Wayne said this morning about uh, customer first, I think he said. Or, um, and one of the things we started a while ago, we were just having some issues with making sure the customer was happy. It was like, before you clock out, was every customer happy and served correctly? You know, And we kind of posted that a little bit around there. And it was just, the thing was, is, you know, if we knew there was an issue with a linen or a table or chair, did we take care of it today? Because if you wait till tomorrow, there's not a solution for it right away, then that causes more problems. So um, for the rental and for the party side, you know, most of my sales staff and I don't see the customers. I mean, we see some of the repeat, but it's, our, it's actually our guys delivering the stuff. So they're the face of the, cus of the company sometimes. So we work, we try to encourage them to, you know, be clean cut, look good and be nice to the customers, so. We, uh, we really strive to provide our best yes. Um, we don't want to say no to the customers. We know that there, there are going to be times when we have to say no. Um, but what we want to try to do is provide the best um, backup plan or mitigation for anything that they want to rent. And so I feel like that's really one of our biggest plays that we have when it comes to customer interaction. And that's why we toy a lot with this whole e-commerce piece. It's, it's tough for us to believe that that's something that we want to really fully uh, adopt as our brand starts you know, our journey. Uh, we want to make sure we have good cu customer relationship and we actually ask that question, what are you trying to use this equipment for? Um, not necessarily for an offensive idea, but we found that a lot of customers think they need something, but they really need something else. Um, and so that's one of the things that we uh, really want to improve upon as we're going down this, this path of growing this brand. And uh, customer relationship is a big piece for us, so. All right, now, is there anything that Point of Rental does that helps you uh, develop these relationships with customers or, or maintain them? Anyone who wants to like move their microphone will. <laughs> I mean, I think the effort to get more e-commerce like what you were mentioning like we we haven't done it yet um but this is something that we're definitely looking into because in every other industry this is how people order i do believe that there's a strong personalization to rental and we were in a session earlier where it's probably even more true for for tense events companies than for equipment but still like someone thinks that they need a sizzle lift but really they need a 135 foot boom that just didn't really know. Uh, so it's been case. I mean, as much as I mean, technology is gonna is gonna get us there. It's gonna be one thing that like today, it's not exactly what they're asking for yet. Not the smaller companies, but then it's gonna be a flip of a switch, and all of a sudden they're gonna want it for every single of their rental. I think that the Uber-like experience that um, that we're starting to see with some of the functionality in point of rental is really what we're looking for. Um, one of the visions for us is to really be able to create that seamless transaction for a customer whenever we're delivering equipment. 
um, and we're seeing more and more uh, benefits out of utilizing the, the actual functionality in Pointer Rental right now when it comes to the dispatch side. I've mentioned that several times, but the dispatch side has been a, a big, big thing for us. But um, as far as getting POR1 uh, working, uh, utilizing that, um, the timing that, that you see from that and being able to actually send off notifications for uh, a customer to know that their equipment's on its way is really a big thing. Um, I think it is huge for us uh, as an industry to really embrace that piece. So Uber-like is really kind of the thing we talk about. Uh, Amazon has really trained all of our customers to be a certain way, um, but we can't lose sight of actually talking to the people, I think, so. Okay. And that pretty simple thing, the call logs has always been a very helpful part, you know, and you can put a note in on a customer's profile and then remind them or make, you know, building that CRM side and continuing to see that develop within Point Rental is going to be interesting. I, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, and then the commerce, the portal, we're talking about that. So I think it's, it's definitely going to continue, continue to help the customer experience um, more so than what it is now. So. Yeah, I would just go back to more what he said. I think we're getting to that point where we're going to be able to offer easier access for our repeat customers to order a rack of glasses or a couple tables, unless of when the customer calls and asks you how big an eight-foot table is. <laughs> That's my favorite question. But I can relate. I was raised in like meter system. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get. It. But yeah, and we try to. One of the things that we talked about too is like you know every time you close out a contract, you can send an email. We're working on starting a process where we send a survey out after that. So a way to keep in touch with our customers to make sure we're doing better. But we haven't started that quite yet. Okay. Good. Well, let us know how uh, how that works out for you when you when you do it. Uh, okay. Earlier we mentioned you guys are all awesome at everything, but no matter how much you focus on creating a great customer experience, someone's going to have a bad one someday. And I know we're supposed to see those as opportunities rather than like feeling like they're failures. So how do you handle customer complaints that arise during a rental? Are there guidelines or written rules or procedures or how do you do, Rob? We, um, so I, you know, we preach that you just never match the customer because they, they could say some pretty obscene things to you. They're gonna come in pretty hot because they wanna set the tone and come in strong. But as long as you never match, I mean, it can be frustrating, but you can never get to that level. So that's the, the guiding rule is never get to the, the customer's level. You're never going to win. Um, so keep it down and then keep trying to understand the customer or express that you understand what you're working through and offering a solution of some sort so that there's a way forward instead of telling them, well, that sucks. You know? So um, even if that might be, the, like, if there is no other solution, like trying to work through it, and that, uh, that honest answer per se, but just never, never match the customer. So. I mean, there's definitely been cases where I've been involved just because we screwed up multiple times in a row. And then it's like, well, this is the advantage of dealing with a company the size of ours, and I'm the head of operations, and I'm more than happy to have this conversation with you, and here's what we're going to put in place to, to fix it. Like, one of the things I've done with, um, with one of our customers is they wanted on-site fueling for some things, which is not something we do. So worked with the vendor of ours to make sure that they can make that happen and be the one-stop shop for them, have specific like hotline, like, hey, if you call this number, it will be flagged as VIP and make sure that like we'll, we'll answer you. But then in the end, it's like execution at every deal. Like, let's try not to get to that level, but it happens. <laughs> and then my main message to customers is like, listen, if I told you that the equipment was never going to break down, like, 
I'd be lying to you, so. Um, really, it's about a sense of ur urgency for our people. Uh, we want to make sure we take care of the customer as fast as possible, but we also don't want to lose sight of the failure that we've created for that customer. And one of the things we want to do is learn from every failure we have. And so that's one of the biggest things that we do when we have a, a conflict with a customer. We try to make sure we discuss it as a team to make sure that we are putting in the appropriate measures to make sure we don't do that again. So that's one of the big things we try to do. But it's inevitable. Customers are going to get upset from time to time. We just got to try to make sure that we work it out with them. So. I was also kind of wondering, so a lot of places, sometimes they'll like empower their employees to be able to make whatever deals to make the customers happy, and a lot of places will have it where you got to talk to a manager, you got to, you know, if you're on the front lines, don't worry about it, just re refer them to a manager and let the manager take care of it. Where do you guys fall on, on that spectrum when, when dealing with angry customers? I always feel when there's somebody upset, they don't want to talk to the person they booked that job with. They want, they want, even if you gave them to another salesperson or the person in the back, as long as they talk to somebody else, they feel important. So our goal is always like to, you know, make sure you're talking, you, we always just say, hey, as soon as they're upset, if we can't resolve the issue immediately, then we hand it off to the sales manager or the GM to try to resolve it completely. I try to instill that to have everybody um, kind of the opposite um, try to work through it so that because if they are going to have to have interaction with that same individual again if you don't have you know a deep bench there um, to work through it and then if they can't then obviously offering up the next level which is you know if it's not the manager then, then coming up to the regional or myself so and, and, and once it gets to that point then like okay who am I talking to the owner yeah close ish but yeah basically yeah typically ask the team to at least get an idea of what the customer wants. Like, would he be satisfied with like a 50% discount? Do they want full credit? Like, I mean, that just helps us the back and forth. Like, if they, even if they're not fully, we're probably more on the talk to the manager end of things. But my first question to the coordinator is, what do they want? Like, what would they be happy with? No, it's perfect because listening is always the key with that piece, right? So that's perfect. Yeah, it's, I agree with everybody up here. Yeah, that's where we go. <laughs> perfect. Okay, so one of the reasons people attend this conference is they want to get better at what they do. Continuous improvement is at the heart of all conferences, I think, but especially at Point of Rentals. Uh, so let's talk about getting better. What strategies do you employ to identify areas to improve in your business? Ask people, what do you need? And sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it's, oh, we'd be losing so much less equipment if we had telematics. Or, or sometimes it's, hey, if you go to the point of final conference, can you ask about X, Y, and Z? Like, it's just, I don't know that there's a, that we have, we don't have a specific process for continuous improvement, but typically the, first, the, the people in the first line of defense are the ones that know what is wrong. I find that uh, sitting this seat, um, you know, it, unless somebody who hasn't sat the seat for a while is coming in there and, and going to look at something everyone's going to do, like you said, the same thing they've always been doing, because change, you know, isn't natural. And so if you go in there and you sit the seat, or at least shadow for a while, you can start to pick up on where there might be an inefficiency that you can improve on, uh, and, and so you get that firsthand experience. That's, that's definitely helped me as I've come in. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm new to the rental industry all the way around for the last two years, and so I've had to ask a lot of questions. And um, I know that people don't like asking the dumb questions, but that's what I like to do. I like to ask the dumb questions because it means a lot for everybody in the whole built in the whole room that don't want to ask that question. I ask those questions so more people can be impacted. But I think sitting in the seats with the people and asking why and never shooting down someone that asks you why. If you make sure you explain the why, especially with the new upcoming people that are coming through, I think that's a big, big win if you can explain the why because then everything just kind of flows. So that's one of the things. Continuous improvement is, is hard to really nail down, but I think that you tell people you can't ask why, then I think that creates a problem to improve. So that's the way I see it. So. You don't want to answer this one, Brandon? <laughs> Come on, you know. I agree. There we go. Just say second. All right. Uh, let's see. How are you staying up to date with industry trends, and how do you incorporate them into your operations? Just attending conferences, or just. Yeah, I mean, going to conferences, talking, networking. Um, networking is probably the biggest thing because you, you get to see what somebody else in your industry is doing, using. Um, someone said it today, like, yeah, you're here to learn this stuff, but the best thing you're going to get is by talking to somebody at the table. So definitely the networking part and bringing those ideas back and maybe buying or, you know, looking at whatever they're doing to stay up with the trends. There's a lot of great podcasts out there. Um, there is a really good podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, that or, or just, you know, reading through the periodicals, I think that they're, no, most of the periodicals have done a really good job of presenting newer trends and, and things that are going on, but um, that usually leads to, again, the networking side is the, I'd say, probably the, the biggest benefit. Yeah, and then having been in this industry for over 15 years, like, I feel like I have friends in every single rental company, at least the larger ones, like, it just ends up being, like, People work for a lot of different companies that just get so much information by talking to friends. Okay, so obviously you, you all mentioned networking is really important. Where, where are you guys going to network besides, besides here? Um, our lo local chapter, chapter of area Florida. Um, I highly recommend if you're part of the American Rental Association, you should stay involved, get involved. Um, if you thought the membership was not worth it, you're not using it correctly. I'm not, I'm, it has changed our business uh, and met so many people and then the rental show in New Orleans. I feel like now I work for them, so here we go. <laughs> uh, we're involved in uh, peer executive groups and yeah, whether it's in, within the industry or even if a local chapter, also really, really good um, opportunities network. Um, that recommends you know, one in the industry and on the outside uh, that's local because you'll, you'll get different perspectives from different industries as well. If you're not in a peer group and you're a manager or an owner, get in a peer group. Professional women in construction. Anything for you, Trey? I come from IT background, so <laughs> usually the IT conferences are my, my big way to network. But um, as far as what I've been noticing with uh, networking right now, and I know this sounds crazy, but really having a lot of conversation with the customers. Um, customers don't really believe in talking to the IT group of any of these industries. And I'm finding that as I talk to them, I start finding out, um, say, secrets or whatever it may be when it comes to uh, the rental industry. And it's 
really helping me learn a lot. And then next thing you know, that networking becomes bigger and bigger, and then it just it just works for me. So um, I look forward to more of these rental uh, these rental conferences, and I really look forward to the ARA. I keep on telling my boss I want to go, and he's we'll get you there. You're an IT guy, but um, I'll be there soon. So yeah. <laughs> Stop calling yourself the IT guy because maybe that's why you sound. <laughs> well, it's it, uh, they retitled me, so IT's not there anymore. So we're seeing how it goes. So yeah, New Orleans is great. <laughs> I'll be there. It's it's the closest one, so you, you got to go with that. All right, uh, I asked it last year, and again, since we're recording this, I hope we remember in five years to go back and, and check up on your predictions. But what do you expect the rental industry to look like in five years? Let's take it from three perspectives. From from your perspective as a leader of a rental business, first. How's the industry going to change for rental industry leaders? I think it's going to streamline um, from a leadership perspective. You're going to, I think we're going to see a lot more process involvement and you see a lot more technology involved within that. Uh, a lot more data coming out um, from the usage to your customers uh, that, that we're going to be filtering through. So that's, that's going to continue to grow. Consumer portal, I believe, is the the big step. Everybody has a portal, but the more and more that we have that data you're talking about, and the consumer portal that you know that Pointerel is working on to create, I believe that is going to be a big change in the way the rental industry will be moving towards the e-commerce piece that I'm very very afraid of. But yes, it is. It's something that I think that we'll see in the next five years. The big change too. So. I think the basics of people management, I don't think that will change that much. Like regardless of what process, what technology, like we still need people and so that Unless part, we get robots, I mean. Yeah, it works. don't see that happening anytime soon. <laughs> Maybe wrong, in five years you can quote me. Uh, but, but yes, the getting more mobile, more digital, that, that's coming. I think, I think that'll make going the streamline and you know, I know the AI is that the, that that could really help you in the offices to answer a lot of questions. If someone asks how big an eight-foot table is, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. And um, you know, and I think the AI is what for. Or, first of all, streamlining with all the software it was going to be easy, but then kind of what you were saying with you may be able to use that a lot more internally in the office um, because it, it could help take if you don't have that if you can't hire another person that can maybe help you assist get to a certain point before you book the job. All right, now let's approach this from, from a new employee perspective. Someone just getting into the rental industry, starting on an encounter. How is their experience going to change in, in the next five years? It's just the, the technology is going to be easier for them to use. Um, and I think, you know, the more updates that is made on our software that we use, Point Rental, that it's, it'll, it makes it really easy to learn and it's quick. So it's less training for us. More, more intuitive. When it, as the more intuitive these screens become, and the, it's easier to get that upline of someone that you just hired on board and going, um, that's going to be huge. It changes the training aspect all the way around. So it needs to be more intuitive. Yeah, I learned the equipment by going to the yard and flipping the pages and figure out what this thing was called. So there'll be better ways. <laughs> Yeah, I think the training side is going to streamline uh, significantly. With there's a lot of content out there that, that can be consolidated, uh, and then you're going to have tools like Point Rental that, that will be able to help put that through. All right, and then obviously the final group uh, is customers. What's 
What's it going to look like for customers compared to now in, in five years? More expensive. It's <laughs> fair. Any also other changes? Easy. <laughs> It'll be easier for them to book jobs and the reoccurring customers. Again, we're different. Most of our customers want to quote first. I got to look at it and talk, talk it over, then come back and make changes, and then we book it. Or you know, we have some of those. We have a good handful of customers. A note: I need a rack of champagne glasses, things like that. So those type of customers will be really great. To they're going to have if this portal opens up to where they can just order this and it's ready to go. That would be great. Probably improved communication, so that they'll have uh, more timely responses. You have telematics. Um, hopefully, that you know automatically flags in your system if you've got it installed, and you can respond quicker. Uh, know exactly what they need, so they're going to be more uptime on the job. Um, so that'll be a benefit for them. Transparency to pretty much everything they can see. That consumer portal, being able to see as much as they can about the rental. Um, that's a that's, that's going to change a lot from a customer's perspective. So. Much to add, but I was going to say they really left you with nothing. Yeah, there's not much else. Like maybe, I mean, we were talking earlier, like. Right now, we chat with customers, but text message probably the next thing that like people are expecting, or that I got, I got that like when I got my car serviced and they gave me an invoice by text message, I could just approve. Uh, I don't know That's what the, the technology will be in five years, but there'll be something else that we don't know about. All right, I feel like that's cheating. Just saying, like we won't know about yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that was fourth. I, like, give I, me I forgot. I wrote. A, I forgot. I wrote a fourth group. So I, I thought of one more perspective, and maybe I had to be scared of asking. But from Point of Reynolds' perspective, what do y'all expect your software to be in five years? <laughs> Scalable. <laughs> Scalable. It's going to be very great. scalable. I like repeat that, but I heard it. <laughs> it's going to be great. Faster response times and support, but they're already there. So. <laughs> all right. Uh, those are all the questions I had. I'm, I'm sure that there was a and a for this thing, and I'm going to uh, try to find what we have. Uh, do we have any questions from other people? You can have my mic. <laughs> hmm. I don't see any questions in here. Am I in the wrong thing? Gonna say if there's no questions, then uh, we can just be done. I think, or just shout out a question. Heck, the room's not that huge. All right, no more questions. So, all right. That makes me feel good. Yeah, like, yeah, thanks, that boring? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, Brian, tell us. How much growth are you expecting to see? You asking the party or the equipment side? There you go. <laughs> I mean, all the indicators say that like there there is a transition from ownership to rental, and that the rental business will grow. I can't tell. I I would need notes and AI or something to tell me the percentage. Uh, but there's also consolidation. We haven't really talked about that, but. By read something that like by 2028, like the top three will own 50% of the like of the market. Um, it's not the same numbers, but lots of acquisitions with small party rental businesses. Yeah. yeah, it's I mean in rental in equipment rental, there's acquisitions like every day. It's crazy. 
if you're part of ARA, again, not to sell them, but I think they do, <laughs> they have like a report done every year, every quarter, or they send out, so, it, but it's on the trend up, in my opinion, but I think it, it all depends if you can get enough staff to do, on the party side, enough staff to do everything that you get asked to do. Uh, because when, it's harder to get into the business, in my opinion now, when you first got in the business, a table was $100, now it costs $200 to buy. So somebody starting out in their garage or in a warehouse, small warehouse, you know, they don't have 500 tables like we do. They can maybe get a 10 or 20 because it's a lot more expensive. So I think you're gonna see a lot of the smaller companies. I hope not because I started that way, but you're gonna maybe see some of the smaller companies not survive or people not get into the party side of things, in my opinion. No expert opinion though. All right, any other questions? Well, so I'll tell you, we were very lucky. We have probably 100,000 square feet of tenting already. So we lucked out with that. So, um, but you know, yeah, the lot, all the manufacturers were way behind taking care of their current customers or all the government contracts. Because it wasn't just for COVID, it was for the border, it was for Ukraine. I mean, they were, you know, they were bringing all the um, refugees in and putting them in tents for months. So um, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of tenting that's out there right now because of that. But now they're all caught up. So if you're interested, they have a lot of inventory. <laughs> Depends on what size you're talking about. We can, yeah, I mean, you know, you could go the West Coast style, which is the two inch aluminum and everybody sells that. But if you wanted to stand out from the crowd, you could go with a, you could do like a future track uh, or you could do uh, Lowe'sburger of their P7 profile, which would be um, their, their smallest profile, I think, to set up for that size tents. Only make recommendations if you're getting sponsored by them or, or something. <laughs> if they watch us, he might get a discount. You know, so yeah. Oh, there you go. Use my name, Brandon Algren. <laughs> All right, any more questions? Hey, we got one in the back. Uh, so we, we've used some um, headhunters, uh, like firms that, that have worked out pretty well. Obviously, there's a cost with that, but there's also a cost of not having the employee that you need for a long period. Um, <clears throat> on like the, you know, kind of your basic help, we've been using temp agencies and getting to kind of try out uh, some, some employees without having that overhead and then just, you know, either having to lay somebody off afterwards if they're not going to work out. But that's been pretty nice. I and mean, it is, again, it's a little more expensive up, up, up front with them. But um, they get to try you and you get to try them and you get that buy-in. So when they do make the conversion, then they really want to be there uh, for the most part. So We've done both. Yeah, so, so we've, we've tested out both. And, and we've had, uh, I mean, generally you have pretty, pretty good success if you're going to go through a headhunter for a salary position because it's going to be pretty rigorous. But on the hourly side, um, yeah, they, they come and go. You know, and, and, Usually, if they're in a temp agency, like you know, they're going to jump and go any, anyway. But if they want to stick around for a while, then then you actually know you've got a good one. So. All right. If you want to ask any more questions, then you got to find these people out here in in these uh, in these rooms and in the foyer. 
because I think we are done with this industry panel. Uh, thank you all for, for joining us today. Thank you, panel, for, for being up here with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that was the episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing from everyone. Over the next few months, we'll have more content that was recorded at the conference, both live shows, and we recorded some additional podcasts with rental leaders that I'm excited to share. Uh, live shows will be audio only, and the one-on-ones will be available here, wherever you listen to podcasts, but also on our YouTube page. Just search for Point of Rental Software on YouTube. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back next month.